Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 111. Triple ones. <laughs> Triple ones. It looks like I'm doing three on my fingers, three. but it's West the side. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan's flashing gang signals at me right now, trying to do three. One, 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 one. And this is weird in sign language so just weird so in sign language is yeah. three fingers doing yeah. crunches yeah cha, 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 cha. well that is the, that's <laughs> so what we are new. we are weird <laughs> episode weird in sign language yeah welcome into the podcast now you guys might wonder why is there a free podcast that has an odd number if you've actually mm. gotten any use to the new patron setup but we have patron interviews that are canceled delayed <laughs> or requested to start in january I have this long it's list it's the middle of summer man of course. Uh, just yeah. it went through my flu and then went into this mm. little period where people were re- responding, were responsive, and then everything trailed off. I'm like, and wait, no, Christmas is next week? Forget it. <laughs> I have a friend who's applying for a job with Epic as oh, an yeah? engineer. And he goes, yeah, it was going really well. They were in a really hurry. And then now I got an email saying, well, all the people who make their decisions and hiring decisions, they're gone on vacation. So they won't be back until January. Yeah. And this was December 7th. And so yeah. it's like, so like, yeah, we need to get a month off. Everything takes off. Mm. Everyone's gone. Nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. I'm going to just throw in the next few episodes all in whatever number they are, whether it's patron only or not. Mm-hmm. And okay. so we'll be back with a patron only podcast on January 7th. But as you guys saw, the patrons, we have an awesome list. In fact, I have no qualms with sharing that list right now. Oh, yeah? yeah do reveal, do reveal. Any of you guys who've been considering jumping over and being a $5 or more patron because you're thinking, you know, it'd be kind of fun to, I wonder who they have. Who do they have coming We've up? We've got some cool interviews. We've Definitely got worth. some cool ones yeah. coming up, guys. We have Aaron Bobnick, Enrico Fossati, Adam Gibbs, Eric Benedetti, Jeff Peterson, and Joshua Cripps. Those Dang. are all the ones who've already agreed to come on. Nice. Yeah. That's a pretty good list. And I'm excited to have them, especially Jeff Peterson. You guys have never oh. heard of Jeff Peterson. He's an awesome guy in Southern Utah. We've never mentioned him they once have the, on the podcast. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's actually he coming on. He is an awesome podcast guest. So, he's going yeah. to Africa. He's going to Africa at the end of January oh, and right. February. I think it's February. So and we'll get him after with a fresh just interview. Before. Out. Oh, just, just before he goes? Okay, the but he's been before. preparation, wildlife yeah, yeah, yeah. photography. We're going to hear oh, it all from Jeff okay, Peterson. That's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I should tell you guys that there will also be a free episode with Jeff Peterson as well. So when we interview Jeff, nice. we're going to have content for both patrons and okay. free. Very cool. But that's enough of us. Let's talk about what's going on with you, Brendan. Oh, my Your gosh. Your birthday's tomorrow, man. Happy birthday. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Um, when people get this, it's actually your birthday. It is my so birthday, the day that this comes out. Right now on Facebook, guys. So yeah, flood my Facebook with face with birthdays. I won't see it until midnight, until the you know that day. <laughs> there, there's a new PayPal donation button over on photogadventures.com. Just send his birthday present my way. Hey, that'd be cool, ish. Um, ish, that would be awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I have a couple of cool situations. I've got my my my, my daughter has a camera that I bought her a while ago. Over a year she ago. She has my lens. Or no, did you give me that she lens? She has the other lens that you, the old lens. The crappier. The STM the lens crappier. I'm borrowing now again. Yeah, she had the yes. STM for a while and now <laughs> she's got the crappy Nifty 50 back on. <laughs> but we started doing uh, some steel wool spinning. 
you in my backyard. Yeah. Oh, in so your I introduced backyard. that. I did introduce that to her. Are you and nuts? She is super excited. Okay, Brendan. So. No offense to Brendan, but I've seen his backyard and I've seen his landscaping and I've seen his fence. How are you even beginning to risk? Well, the fence is metal and there? the fence is metal it's and not stone. Wood? So. What's the front? It, okay. It's so there's all, no yeah. wood there. Yeah. There are trees. And, but the, the, the backyard is just, it's half snow right now. So I'm like, I'm going to steal wool spin and it's half snow. You heard it here first guys. Yeah. When the arson attempt occurs, it's most likely. I'm just wondering about the people in the parking lot. Wool alone. <laughs> the people in the parking lot next door are probably going to call the police because they're going to see the sparks <laughs> flying everywhere. Yeah. And uh, who knows? But Thanks we did the other night. We did it the other night and she got a couple pictures and she's just like, oh, I mean, yeah, the look on her face was classic. So that's really cool. Cause that her was awesome. camera's taking those pictures. Mm-hmm. She sees the, so the Canon digital, digital rebel, the first version, like it's a six megapixel <laughs> piece of junk, barely works, ah, it's but, pretty but, quality. but I set the settings up for her. I'm just like, okay, just, you know, try to get this shot over here. She's on a 50 millimeter. So she's cropped. Yeah. So I had to go tight. way to the other side of like the yard. And then I'm like, okay, and she got a picture and she just, yeah, she loves it. I feel like on the podcast, I have to say this. Do not, please do not do still wool in your backyards. No, especially if there's leaves and stuff. Lots just of leaves. Don't do it. I don't I've know got why a snowy, it. I've got just a snowy backyard, you know, and lots of <laughs> concrete around. So it's not, not a big deal. When Brendan's um, house burned down, we'll need a lot more donations through PayPal. <sighs> yeah. I first did the experiment on the deck and then it started working. What? And the deck... <laughs> And then sparks are flying into the neighbors, like, you know, uh, driveway, geez. but there's nothing there to burn either. So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is working yard next. <laughs> and so my kids thought it was awesome. And they're like, mom, mom, you have to come out and see this. This is amazing. And so they it was right. pretty cool. It yeah. is really awesome. So the next, the next move is to go somewhere like little Moab or the salt flats and take them out there and do it there. So. Oh, that'd be great. So I've got lots of wool now. I got a whole new Amazon <laughs> order from the, you know, the nice stuff. And so I'm, I'm ready to go out and uh, do it. Do it some more. So sweet. Yeah. Well, you probably heard a chuckle or two that didn't sound like Brendan's or my own. We have a guest <laughs> yeah. with us right now. Yeah. Our guest today is Matt Burke. He is the senior product development engineer, right? So I've heard. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For really right stuff. So to, to put into perspective, yeah. how many people were working there when you got hired? Um, I'll put it this way: uh, of all the people that were there when I first started, it's just me and two others <laughs> that are still there. That are still there, and they are the owners. There. Okay, the two yeah. other people. So everybody else is new hires. <laughs> in the meantime, or started after I came. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first you get in, there you got rid of everybody else. <laughs> you really schmoozed mm. up to the bosses. Oh yeah. And you convinced them to move from California. He's like a little bird in the nest. Come to Utah, where your power can be strengthened. <laughs> no, that was years ago. I assume we'll get more into that. Yeah, but yeah. But we're curious, what's up with you? That your family just moved here to Utah, back to Utah. You're from California. Where are you from? I am from all over the place. I grew up in Southern California. Okay. Um, most recently, I lived in the San Luis Obispo area. That's where I met my wife. Okay. We've been married now for just over eight years. Okay. Nice. And. Uh, San Luis Obispo, if you do not know, is exactly halfway in between San Francisco and Los Angeles, oh, right on the coast. Okay. The point where you regret driving there. <laughs> like, oh, crap. What was I thinking? At this point, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he just got out of the worst of it. And, you have and now it's going coming. back again. <laughs> yeah, so we, we consider ourselves uh, sort of an island, of a version of California mm. that nobody really knows about. Or if you do, it's a, it's a very well-kept secret. And don't tell anyone. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you heard it here, don't tell anyone. Yes. <laughs> I've been to some places uh, like that. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a hard place to leave. Uh, it, it's beautiful there. We love the weather. Yeah, we love the environment. Um, but... I, I lived there uh, 
gosh, just over 10 years, and I don't think I ever set foot once in the water to go surfing. What? what? No. Oh, it's I'm, like the I'm people like me who don't go skiing <laughs> and snowboarding every year in Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a beach guy. Mountains are my mm, place. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we, we took, uh, we, when we first moved here, gosh, I, I took the kids and the wife everywhere that we could. We did the Alpine Loop. We did mm. every waterfall that we could reasonably hike to without making the kids hate me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like two. It's worth it, kids. Trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Cascade Falls. Uh, mm-hmm. You go to Donut Falls? Uh, not yet. We've heard okay. that's, that's uh, it's pretty relatively... Cool. It's easy. Yeah. And it's in fun. the snow, it's a little more work. Mm-hmm. It's still fun. Yeah. Still fun in the snow. We know. Don't fall in the water like I did. <laughs> but we think, that, uh, we think that Utah is the place where um, we're going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. We, we're glad to be here. We keep having these great experiences that we think is confirmation that this was the right choice for us. Mm. Um, you know, and not everybody that worked for really right stuff in, in San Luis moved about half of us decided to go their own, go our own way. Wow, that's and, crazy. And so, um, but I was lucky enough, um, to have been there for a while, uh, because it was kind of crazy. Um, in the lead up to the move, I was fixing up my, my house in Grover beach. Okay. And we, we started off um, in 2012 and we're constantly working on it up until quite mm-hmm. literally 20 minutes before I was stepping what? into my moving van. Uh. I was I was laying tile on this house, getting it ready to Holy I didn't cow. bother to do anything at that point. Uh. Haven't you sold it? Uh, we didn't even put it on the market yet until I left. Oh, and so whoa. we were trying to get it fixed up. So this this whole this whole year for, for my family has been pretty Pretty crazy. Oh yeah, I yeah. bet. We are. I'm. I'm delighted <laughs> to not have to to live that life anymore, and and, yeah. and to just yeah fo- focus on uh, focus on my work, focus on my family again. Um, but that said, I mean we're mm. we're just getting into uh, re- revising uh, or revising. I mean, I'm using like engineering terms for hit us with them. The we constructions know revisions are. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're uh, renovating our, our house that we just bought in Lehigh. Okay. Um, but I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to say, here, you, you do that. Nice. That feels good. Here's that. your check. Mm-hmm. Just that please. place. Here's the money. See ya. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go into a movie. We're stoked because <laughs> we get to do what we thought we were going to be able to do in California. Oh. But, uh, we wound up having to do all the work ourselves because it was, it was an arm and a leg. Right. And uh, yeah. Now we can. Because <laughs> nice. it's Utah instead of California. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's an awesome what's new that you're finally able to just relax <laughs> and you're not laying tile. He, When he was here, probably about 10 minutes into being here at my apartment, he gave me a tip on laying what is it, the rubber cement, the silicone that's on a bathtub? And so he's really oh, thinking yeah, yeah. about this kind oh, yeah. of stuff a oh, lot. You, I, Somehow it came up. This is a typical male thought. This is actually not uh, out of the ordinary. So if I don't have those thoughts, am I not male? Uh, you might need to do some self into you oh. know some you know. I need to wear inters- overalls more and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to go and buy a hammer and some caulk. <laughs> Talk and about actually, tools. Yeah, just break oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a man. Yeah. Break something and then figure out how to fix it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do that all the we time. We do that all the time. <laughs> well, there you go. Then you're fine. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm still a man. Yes. <laughs> My identity was lost for a moment, but now I'm returned. <laughs> so in honor of Brendan's you know, <laughs> birthday, my what's new will be simply that we're working on an awesome new site that mm-hmm. I think you Milky Way lovers out there will enjoy. Yeah, and absolutely. I also wanted to say that if you have any interest in composition and making sure that your composition's strong and that you've been deciding, you know, I'm going to go into Monday Moment of Envy and get my image featured there by Brendan and Aaron, your best chance of making sure your image has the correct 
correct look, the view, the what we look for in a moment of envy image is to listen to my last two Monday moment of envies. I did uh-huh, yeah. part one and part two of anatomy of a moment of envy. And it talks about strength in your image and polish from foreground to background. And we show Aaron Bobnick's images to show that mm-hmm. off. And then this last Monday, just yesterday, I talked about how to deal with distractions and how distractions can completely ruin your composition. And you mm-hmm. need to pay attention to those distracting elements. If you can't burn them down and get them out of sight in post, try and compose around them. And I show you yeah, some examples yeah. of how sometimes getting rid of distractions doesn't mean just zoom in because I show a zoomed in Canyon Overlook shot. And then I show a wide shot by Rusty Parkhurst mm-hmm. that is awesome and is. better than mine. Yeah. And so you can see how that can go one way or another. It all depends on certain elements that are in there. These are 30 plus minute long episodes. And so it's over an hour of just talking composition elements. If you guys have a long winter break coming up for you, listen to those, watch them on our Facebook page. You'll see them there. Yeah, Facebook, a lot okay. of fun. Cool. But let's go back into the really right stuff talk, talk because I want to hear more about the move. You yeah, said already... Yeah. Not everyone came. What's the scenario that not everyone came? Why wouldn't some people come here? Did oh, you can imagine. Um, Do they hate us? Their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Poisonous well, thoughts of Utah. <laughs> gosh, uh, the you can imagine people who uh, were working for us at the time range from age my my age at the top. Seventy-two. What are you? Seventy-four? Seventy-three? <laughs> all the way down to uh, kids He's fresh out of college. Like Forty. Mm-hmm. You no, know, they they have they have their own idea of what they want to do with their life. Um, sure. And no, nothing against them. We were delighted to have them come with us. We were right. totally fine with them uh, leaving the company. In fact, the only person that was senior to me that wasn't the owner, they were one of the people that didn't come with us. Her name's Carla. Carla Geyer is the daughter of Brian Geyer, who is the founder of Really Right Stuff. Oh, she, really? She didn't go. That was that was my personal biggest letdown. Mm. Um, I really wanted her to go. I think she's that, starting a new company called Truly Right Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she she was our uh, S, she was our SRP guru, so she wound up getting a really good job working for Netsuite. Okay, mm-hmm. right on. And staying in California. Oh yeah. And making the pay to stay in California is something I wouldn't leave for too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, uh, more people came than most of us thought would. So oh. it was. It was a delight. So mm. with the move, we just barely went to your factory, experienced what under the like behind the curtains turned out to be a mad dash of let's do this opening right now. But you guys still had equipment. <laughs> coming in and being installed in the room that we were standing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were to go uh, there again, here, what is it, not even three weeks? Yeah. Barely three, three yeah. maybe four? Yeah. Everywhere that people were seated is completely filled up with machines now. Nice. Oh, what kind of machines? Those same ones CNC, that Brian and I saw, right? the CNC machines? Yeah, CNC yeah. type machines. So nice. we got a couple of Mori Seiki uh, horizontal mills. One of them is with the fourth axis capability. We've got turning centers by Okuma. And we just got this thing called, this name's pretty cool. It's called the Hyperquadrex. The nice. Hyperquadrex? Yeah, it's made by Mazak. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I got a say. tattoo. I'd probably get that. Hyperquadrex. Hyperquadrex. Yeah. What does that mean? Rated <laughs> I have no idea where they come up with these names. Uh, but yeah, it, it's another turning center type place. So cool. when you think about those machines, is there an engineer or someone who is at each machine? So if you have 16 machines, you have 16 engineers there? No, no. You need, that's the, um, well, 
you don't need engineers. You need very well trained technicians. You, Technician you machinists, need uh, yeah. uh, the kind of people that we're currently looking for, obviously, because we only had at the time what three people uh, working the shop mm. when we were running the tour, and and now there's three times as many machines. So we need more people. Whoa. Is that but, by yeah. result of people who didn't move up with you guys, or result of having more space and more machines? Both. Mm. Um, okay. So we we did have a, a pretty good crew, uh, but we were only running a prototype shop in California. But mm. however, here it's full on production. We've we've taken oh. on more of the we vertically integrated. I guess that's the nice. Term. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vertical integration and, and uh, synergy. Um, no, uh, for <laughs> if you CNC machining is um, like ninety percent setup and ten percent mm-hmm. actual manufacturing. Oh, well, okay. not really, but just to put it in perspective. Seems like it. Yeah, yeah. So you need your your specialists and your technicians uh, working together. Your specialist will do the programming, and then your technicians will work with them to do the setup and the fixturing design, and then you have your technicians that just stand there and press the go button and make, make sure, sure that the parts come out yeah. good and yeah. know how to assess uh, a limited number of issues that might come up with parts that come off the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can you can have one technician operating a couple of different machines. So you're saying this is more complex than my 3D printer at home? A little bit. <laughs> when I can yeah. do SketchUp and bake something and I put it into another program and I hit go, and it basically does the rest. <laughs> it's not like Actually, that. <laughs> it, well, essentially, it's it uses I don't know what kind of machine that your your uh, your three D printer you said. Yeah. Um. It it might wind up using the same code. It's just G code. G code. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But it's awesome. Uh, the differences and co- you know compensations and um. So for example, like the Mori Seikis are have uh, th- thermocouples in the cutting area that help to offset your tools to compensate for minute changes in temperature because that Holy can God. cause your your tooling to expand and contract and all of your oh, fixturing to expand and so if things get a little bit even just a couple of degrees it can now slightly reposition the tooling so that it cuts it to compensate keeps carving at the spot it should be carving wow. exactly yeah exactly so, so just so you guys who don't we're know we're talking like a, tool, like a millionth of an inch kind of thing <laughs> yeah. i mean you guys, really precise. You're saying yeah, that's really precise or asking? Super I couldn't precise, hear if it was yeah. a question. Okay, sweet. Uh, kind of. Well, I just want to tell you guys, if you will have any idea what we're talking about, <laughs> is that the CNC machine, imagine this giant room that's spraying lubricant and water and stuff on a device that is carving out of a block of a Aluminum. certain metal. Yeah, and or, Brendan yeah. had one of those. It's the, what do you guys call the arch away at the top? The uh, connection at the top of your tripod? You guys apex. have apex. apex. Oh, I forgot to bring that with me. You had it? Oh, I was yeah. wondering if we it's, still get it because Brendan broke it. Yeah. When he had it for two that. seconds. I dropped it. No, I, I really do. I, I still have that on my on my desk. Give, I put a ding on it. Yeah. <laughs> Before you give it back to us. Like, oh, Brennan touched you can't sell it now. Your labeler machine probably is too intense to like do our logo real quick on that apex, right? Uh setting no. something the up. The laser like machine? That. Oh, that'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> do you carve it? Me... Give him the file. Okay. He's saying yeah. yes. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <gasps> fantastic. Yeah. How cool would that be? So this wait, go ahead. No, that's okay. You go ahead. <laughs> okay, this carving machine, this thing that people are running, and you're thinking about, okay, parts are being made there by really right stuff. Yes. Are all of your parts made there? I know someone who's a friend of mine who claimed that he could probably make your tripod for less than $100, and I told him, I doubt you're right. Mm. Tell me why he's wrong. Make that our Rob Ryan. tripod. <laughs> 
Uh, it depends on what exactly he was trying to copy. It's true. It's true. Uh, he wants, yeah. So say you got, I've got carbon fiber tubes I can order. I've got mm. some apexes I can get out of mm. China. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm going to build my own. I can build my own for a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> you can bucks, build right? a tripod. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You can build yeah. a tripod for $100. Obviously, people are building tripods for $100 and sure. selling them for a little bit more or even less. Yeah, yeah. Right. You can't build a really right stuff tripod for $100. Not the way that we do it. Not the way that we support it. No way. Right. Um, there's, there's something more that you purchase into when... Um, Joe, Joe Johnson, the owner, calls really right stuff gear a, a high touch shopping experience, meaning that mm. the people who tend to clean and and or not clean but like find and then treasure um, uh, really right stuff gear have uh, put a lot of time and effort and uh, involvement in the process. And then on top of that, you are getting. Um, I, I actually thought about this on the way out here. Yeah. You know what Canon Professional Services are, or Nikon mm -hmm. Professional Services. Mm -hmm. I think Sony just introduced their own version of that. Um, when when you have somebody who's so into the the professional uh, uh, photography business that they care more so or just as much about the fact that if something goes awry in the field, they have a rapid response mm -hmm. for issues. Mm -hmm. uh, they have yeah. a quick turnaround for um, any kind of uh, support problem that comes up. Really right stuff is the tripod version of you know, Canon CP, uh, Canon CPS, CPS yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where if you have okay. an issue, you, you call us up, you will get a human being answering the phone right away. There isn't even a phone tree they have to go through or whatever right. those are called, you know, yeah. dial one for whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, we will get your issue resolved as quickly as possible. And in some cases, same day, um, that that's, that's an experience that's not replicated, not only in, uh, the photography world with, with maybe a few exceptions, mm -hmm. um, but in American manufacturing, you know, we're not, mm. we're not a tech company, you know, that's another reason why we had to move to Utah. Uh, we're a manufacturing operation. So, you know, our margins are kind of slim and, um, we are supporting what many would consider a dying breed of American business. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're, we're determined to make it work. <laughs> and, and one thing that we can do to, um, beat, the like, what you call them? The the the, the southeast. Oh yeah, oh, the southeast Asian. I joked about the southeast Asian market, and like before we went recording, I said, "I have some hard questions for you. Like, what Why? are you doing, keeping all those jobs from the southeast Asians that could have work right now, but you are building in America? What How kind of goal you? do you have to build in America? And we can't compete. Period. We can't compete mm. in terms of uh, the the cost to um, have uh, people make stuff. And so where we can compete is in the service aspect mm. of it all. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. We and and we excel at that. We were um So you're saying if I buy a knockoff brand tripod from eBay that came from China and something breaks, what one of my chances of getting it fixed? <laughs> you know, it replaced maybe. Yeah, you you have to go through the first hurdle of figuring out how to get it replaced. Right. And, and uh I, yeah, best of luck to you. You got to call an international number and then try to talk to someone who doesn't speak English. And then, right. yeah, I mean, that's going to be a problem, no, right? We, we've got people who are calling us up, uh, really right stuff customers, who um, they have literally run their car over the tripod and that's that's how it broke. And they, oh, they really yikes. need us to hook some. They need us to take care of it. I mean, they don't expect us to, to fix it for them, but is there anything they can do to send them out a replacement tripod? They're in the mm. middle of the, de the Gobi Desert or whatever. And and we figure out a way, really, uh, to get it there. I mean, <laughs> it's it's an extreme example, but that's right. what we try to do, especially for people um, like uh, like our champions that that um, 
go around and are our live ambassadors of, mm-hmm. of really right stuff gear we we give them that kind of service but m- we bend over backwards for our customers mm-hmm. we make it we make it happen for them and being in your factory i saw that in your employees in the groups everyone seemed happy to work there like it was one of those fortune 500 mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. that greatest places to work in 2018 right, right. one of the top 10 lists i mean this is going to be a company in utah that gets quoted on there as great places to work in 2020 and 2019 and it's just you feel that your environment is that of customer service high quality you're not cutting corners you're actually costing yourself money trying to make what you're making mm. right uh, we were talking about earlier um did you want to ask that question from the the person and uh later oh yeah you know what i probably could ask it now yeah it's up to you I mean, we wanted to talk let's about just gear give that as a foreshadow uh, this is yeah. a little care on a stick guys <laughs> you're listening to the podcast right now and you're wondering what that question was come mm. back it might shock you what this question <laughs> shocking is. reveal in five minutes <laughs> you will in, you won't <laughs> believe the you answer to the question this, yeah. stay tuned clickbait is around the corner <laughs> it's coming up in segment three so we go into more of the gear time we'll go into that but let's settle out this segment with some more talking about moving to utah mm-hmm. and then we'll go into more of matt's personal personal photography experiences. Yeah, yeah. Oh so to end, well, maybe not to end, one of the ending questions I want to ask you is why Utah and specifically what were some of the benefits and negatives of staying versus coming? Can you give us any of those Pros clear ideas? I can tell you exactly how it went down. Okay. Um, we had already purchased and owned a five-acre plot um, and, and finished out a building that we were in from 2012 up to just before we moved. Okay. And the time came about a year and a half, two years ago, that they needed to start expanding. We had completely filled up the upper floor. We were at capacity. Our prototype shop had turned into a light manufacturing operation. Right, we needed right. to take on more manufacturing. <laughs> gotcha. That's, good. That's a good problem. Um, and right. so uh, we had already been pre-permitted by the city of San Luis and whoever needed to do that sort of thing uh, to go ahead and build on the lot that we owned. And when uh, the owner started looking into it it was going to cost more and take more time to build on land that he already owned versus buying a pre-built building on land in utah and he'd get it faster if he already Mm. owns it why wouldn't he be able to build on it right away well in san Luis, uh i kind of alluded to this it was um earlier before we started chit-chatting it's kind of an island um it's it's its own um it was it was relatively uh, protected from the 2008 recession in terms of oh, the building or sorry, nice. in terms of new construction, um, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And it still was <laughs> okay. pretty hit, but um, there's not a whole lot of labor there. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, specialists, retirees, uh, but oh. there's not a lot of people in the construction industry. And so they were all tied up. And so they could, they could ah, bid see. long lead times. They could bid uh, out, outrageous uh, costs oh. uh, because they were just booked. High demand. For, okay. They were booked forever. In fact, um, wow. we were right across the street from two different construction projects that were already well underway. And, and so we were probably literally trying to get those people that were working across the street come over <laughs> to our place instead. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we, we got this guy to finish up first. Right. Um, that, that Yeah. So few people to work with. But in Utah, I mean we were just down the street from a construction company. Our, our building, I don't know if you, right. you saw, but I guess Gerber Construction or something like that. Okay. They have noticed okay. it. The owners of the building uh, had already propped it up. And um, yeah, they just huh. they just gave us a really good 
a really good amount of lead time. <laughs> um, let's, let's see what else. Uh, so he's looking into it, not just in Utah, but in places like Arizona and Florida mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. even Washington, I want to say. Hmm. Glad we won. Um, yeah. But he also wanted to look at it in terms of, um, you know, uh, the the San Luis Obispo Paso Robles area is, I guess, voted among some of the happiest places to live mm-hmm. and work. Okay. Whatever those rankings, the Oprah rankings, the Fortune 500 rankings, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quality of life index or something right, like that. Right, right. Ah, yeah. We were ranked right at like number five, number six. Oh, wow. Nice. And the Provo Orem metropolitan area was ranked number seven. So it's just oh, right below. That's barely not, in there. That's nice. a big surprise, but I it, love living here, so I don't mm-hmm. really feel surprised. So, yeah, you got to think of it in terms of um, um, the cost of living, mm-hmm. how far your dollar can go, but also all the variety of things that you can enjoy mm-hmm. outdoors, there indoors, is a big variety here. culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sports you guys wise, actually yeah, got yeah. you got a lot going on for you here, yeah. and mm-hmm. not to mention the, the growth, the pro-business growth that, that mm-hmm. attracted to, to um, attracted our, our company here. Mm-hmm. Um, we had applied for, what's it called, some kind of a grant that was um, offered through the state of California for businesses that were trying to, it's kind of ironic because <laughs> these were grants given to companies that were there to encourage them to not leave basically mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we didn't qualify for it and so we left yeah the i'm not the the best person to to explain it all um because i wasn't really involved much yeah, like i said yeah. i was doing i was doing my own thing I, I believe it or not i only worked for the company for about half the year this year i was doing my oh. my uh, fixture upper i was getting it dialed in and they Great. One of the reasons why, at least uh, having worked for the company for over 10 years, wow, yeah. they were very accommodating for uh, letting me do what I needed to do so that I can move out to Utah. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. They, I mean, you know, it, it was a, it was a fair, it was a fair trade, you mm-hmm. know, um, it's not like they were paying me to do it, but they were right. being very, very flexible more so than I would ever expect any company. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it was, it was really nice. We um, gave some numbers that we were trying to guess from what we remember hearing in the discussion during the opening. Mm-hmm. But do you have the numbers on the top of your head of your square footage there versus here and what oh, kind yeah. of benefits it was just space-wise? Well, uh, we're about just under four times the square footage. Four times the square footage Ooh. almost. I thought it was more than double, but more than four times? I want to say it's almost almost four times as much. Dang. Yeah, because we have a larger footprint overall, mm-hmm. um, but then we've also got more mezzanine uh, over. Oh, that's true. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, okay, I can see why you would make the decision to come to another place with that kind of opportunity. Plus, Cheaper it was and built. a way bigger building? Wow. I mean, it was built and finished by the end of 2018. When did you start building this one? Was it in twenty? It was. It was announced. Construction hadn't even started uh, in January of this year. Oh wow! That's right. And, and I mean, construction. Yeah. These are these are called concrete uh, concrete tilt ups. Yeah, they build it's them fast here. I've seen them. They build them fast. They're sh- they're shells. So mm-hmm. all the construction takes place inside. So your infrastructure and your, okay. your rooms and finishing and stuff like that. Um, that's part of the reason why it was mm-hmm. it was so attractive because the the footprint was already there. And the the hard heavy stuff was already done. Nice, cool. And it happened to be the right size and <laughs> right. the right place. Right. Because another another thing, another really aspect. Right for, really right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Joe told this story. I keep saying Joe. Joe is the owner of Really Right yeah, Stuff. Joe so Sr. Whenever yeah. I say him, his name, uh, that's that's who I'm re- usually referring to. Okay. And Joe Jr. is his son, who's not the guy from While You're Sleeping who was catching Lucy and a guy leaning. Not Joe Jr. Looks like he was leaning. <laughs> hey, Joe Jr. When he slipped into her shoe. I don't know if you guys watched While You Were Sleeping as many times as I have, but that's, that's what I keep show. thinking of yeah. when I hear Joe Jr. But <laughs> Joe, Joe Jr. is the son of Joe, and yeah. he runs the entire marketing department. And funny enough, the entire marketing department stayed in California. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, poor guy. Um, he's he's uh, he's had a rough year. You know, some of us some of us lucked out. You know, engineering department was um, mm. you know ninety percent of us came. No, it was f- four out of five. Okay. We, we don't have a okay. big engineering team, um, sure. so one of us stayed and four of us went. Okay. Awesome. Um, but yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a, an uphill battle. Um, one of the challenges of of moving out of state, you know, it was a risk. Mm. Uh, we did lose a lot of people um, that we had hoped would have come with us, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I say that no, every we were delighted to have everybody come. Really, it was it was more. Uh, it, it was more just a sad thing when people just couldn't find it. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Find it in them to to figure out a way to make it work. Great news for those of you listening in Utah who ever thought about going into marketing because we have a lot of openings. openings. <laughs> so check on KSL for but job openings. But not just marketing, but you also mentioned like, um, you know, specialists and machinists and stuff like that too, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, uh, one one of the downsides, if you're a company owner to a, a good economy, which is a te- technically what we're in mm-hmm. right now, is that it's very hard to find skilled labor. They get they get plucked right out of college. Mm, yeah. And, and right. or, um, you know... Um, yeah, you just you just have to wait around for people who are willing to switch jobs. Yeah, so it's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for a marketing job or a, a manufacturing job, give us a call. That'd be a we cool are, place to are, work. We are yeah. growing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. You know, Joe had this uh, pretty touching story uh, that he shared at at the, at open, the open house, house. about a, a, one of our employees who was pretty forthcoming about why he had to leave. Um, he, he couldn't, he was starting a family. He couldn't afford to, uh, provide housing while, uh, working at really right stuff. Oh, right. Um, there in the central coast of California, it's a very expensive place to live. Oh yeah. Um, one of the, it, it always ranks in like, you know, the top 10 in America. It's in, in regional right. areas where it's different. <clears throat> yeah. Difficult to it's, make it work. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. And so he's like, look. I'm sorry, but I, I just got to go to make it work. And he left, went on his way. And this was kind of before things started rolling with moving out of state. Mm-hmm. But then it was about to happen again. And this time it was with um, a gentleman who had been in, he, he had started as a part-time employee working uh, in the assembly team while he was going to college. Mm-hmm. And then it grew into him doing full-time work. And then he even became a supervisor of all of the assembly work. And he came to those crossroads too. He was uh, had started a family. He wanted to be able to own a house, and you can't do that. And and frankly, Joe couldn't pay him, couldn't afford to pay him the amount of money that he would have needed to mm-hmm. afford that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, full disclosure: I mean, I I got I got able to uh, own a house in 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 the San Luis area because we bought a fixer upper that mm-hmm. was bank owned. Yeah. At the at the base of the recession, okay. Good timing. Yeah. So, but it was the only way. Right. So. Right. Um. He he comes and he's like, "Look, I got to move to Ohio. I got to go back to where my my wife's uh, family live. I'll have a much better chance of being able to get a decent enough job to afford a house and yeah. get my 
kids a place to play right, um, right. or you know whatever but uh, Joe's like hold up let me tell you something uh, we're thinking about moving the company and you know we want to move to a place where you are going to be able to do that um, and so it was it was a mm. it was a factor and mm-hmm. choosing a place like Utah you, your your cost of living index is like 40% of of uh, where we left Oh, dang. Um, I thought it was better. Huge but difference. That better. It is better, yeah. and it's mostly in housing, though. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else is it's kind of a wash, but right. the, the, the housing is the big one. Yeah. You're spending 50%, 60% of your take-home pay on your rent. Like, nah, well, I know for a fact our cherries are cheaper here than on the East Coast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I can't imagine how expensive avocados are in California. <laughs> Movies are more expensive there. You go to a movie, it's like above $10. $15, bucks a yeah. For... Yeah, but it's still really expensive here. Mm-hmm. Yikes. They're raising the rates here. I mean, they're trying to you know, catch up. But it is a but... really good feeling to know yeah, that yeah. they came to us to allow that kind of living conditions for their employees. One, that they cared about that, mm-hmm. that they actually wanted to pay them something that could get them a house, right. and that they chose Utah. They're here close by. I'm stoked to be one Super exit cool. away. Yeah. I actually had two choices of a way to go home after a detour took me off the freeway. And I was like, I can turn left now, but I could go straight. And pass by really right stuff and just, just look at it as I pass by. And I was like, I'm going to do that. Let's do that. <laughs> and I drove by just Happy the other moments. day and just kind of felt a kinship for, oh, there they are. Here they are. Awesome. Nice. I'm definitely, really are I'm completely a fanboy now of really right stuff. Oh, good. We're going to go into more of the specifics of really right stuff quality and we're going to get him some hard hitting questions provided by mm. Kurt Kais mm-hmm. and myself and oh. Brendan. And we're just going to nail Matt against the wall <laughs> and talk about that stuff. But first, let's take our first break of the podcast we'll come back and we'll talk just fun photography stuff with matt yeah it's episode 109 and we are joined tonight with gavin hardcastle hey gavin thanks for having me on guys nice to finally uh, meet you yeah i actually got quite angry with myself because i was i was all in a dither i was all (laughs) flapping like oh what am i gonna do what what am i gonna shoot you know and i was just getting annoyed but i just wanted to slap myself and then (laughs) you know i'd kind of put my right foot down to stamp down and push off and just before I took that that leap he saw me and he slammed on his brakes and he skidded to a halt inches Whoa. inches from that tripod oh and there was like a, a, a pause it was like a moment of uh, you know <laughs> complete silence where I was just standing there looking at this guy and he's looking at me and then he just blasted his horn and you know obviously he was annoyed because yeah. I was an idiot you know yeah. and then he peeled out of there with this massive skid and I was like oh God, what an idiot it wasn't well it's a good shot but it wasn't worth dying welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast we're hanging out with Matt Burke the Something, 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 VP of something. What were you again? <laughs> uh, uh, VP I just, of engineering? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I just learned this title maybe a month ago. Uh, I'm a senior product development engineer at Really Right Stuff. Nice. Senior product development engineer at Really Right Stuff, Matt mm. Burke. Mm. And we're excited to hang out with him today talking Really Right Stuff and quality. But before we go back into the Really Right Stuff factory and discussing that, I want to ask you, man. So, Matt, say you just showed up at a place. There's a f- campfire. We're hanging out there, and you've got a bunch of photographers around you, and everyone's swapping photography stories. It's your mm-hmm. turn now. What story do you go to first when you share a photography story? Well, it, it my my personal um, 
enjoyment that I get out of photography, it coincides with discovering new places because mm-hmm. I want to be able to capture the types yeah. of places that um, um, that most people haven't seen or might not appreciate the way that I was able to when I saw it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm always I always I always kept getting myself in trouble actually uh, because it, it's kind of um, right around the same time I was getting into doing um, photography and got mm-hmm. my first serious equipment and was really wanting to get good at it. I was also still kind of a newbie at the whole outdoor adventure thing. Okay. I had this two wheel drive uh, pickup truck. Oh, that old, kind of trouble. Was seven <laughs> four wheel uh, photog misadventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Pacific coast highway, um, but along sheer, the one along the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but on the South side, San Simeon, and then it gets really windy and steep cliffs on your right. Mm. Uh, as you head, which north. portion are you? Cause I know the Monterey coast <laughs> and I go down there to get to, um, Oh, it's now flitted out of my head. The, um, the big bridge right there, the really big Bixby Bridge, yes. Famous What's Bridge. Bixby, yeah, What's the okay. park called? The park next to Bixby Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, oh, oh, you're talking about Big Sur. Big Sur. Big yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, thank okay. you. I could not pull up Big Sur for some mm. reason. Mm-hmm. But Bixby Bridge. Now, you're talking south of that or north of that? South of, uh, quite quite south. Quite of, south of uh, that. Closer uh, to LA Bridge. then. No, actually, when you're in San Simeon, where right where it starts at the point where people think of the PCH, that's you're already four hours north of LA. Four oh, five wow. Hours north. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, San Simeon is the city where, or city, it's a town. It's a, not even a town. A gas oh, station. It's a place. <laughs> a place. <laughs> it's a post office and Hearst Castle. Oh, right. Uh, that's okay. where Hearst Castle is. Okay. The, it's oh, like okay. the gateway to that part of the PCH. But anyway, it's okay. just sheer cliffs. And as you're driving around, you pass through these small towns like Gorda, um, and, um, the place where that, this, this really relatively popular, um, meditation place is called Salem. Something like that. Anyway, hmm. okay. Meditation. E, place. E, uh, e Salem. E Salem. E Salem. Anyway, mm. so you have these random places where all of a sudden you're driving on Highway One, and there's like this road that you can take up to who knows where. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. Explore out. time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go find a place because you know places like the PCH they've been photographed to death. Mm-hmm. How can you find something unique there? Right. So I'm right. going to go take my truck. And <laughs> uh, long story short, you know, trying to Famous find that great shot. I'm driving through probably private property and then down this like 45 degree uh, slope I found this great shot of the coast but then I turn around and I I don't know how I'm going to get out of this <laughs> oh. really yeah, you've I gone spent... down the 45 degree slope but now you don't know how to get I go, out oh it. whoa I got to get out of this now there's no way out besides back and so I right. spent probably <laughs> you know the next two hours cutting down shrubs uh, oh. <laughs> moving rocks and giving myself this this clear shot where I could gun it, get up to like 35, 40 miles an hour oh, over to get a, over this hill, so I could hit the hill as fast oh, as possible. Oh my gosh! And climb the <laughs> probably fifty feet or so at this incline. I I didn't do it in four wheel drive. I did it in I had to do it in two, but it was all just momentum. Yeah, <laughs> and it took me yeah two hours to get out of that rut. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> but the shot was beautiful <laughs> good as long as it shot paid off it's all for this. <laughs> so when you pulled in and you saw that location you just didn't recognize that you were pulling off at a weird angle that was going to be hard to go without momentum uh, i don't know what i what it is about my brain when i get really excited <laughs> about f- finding that cool spot that nobody knows well, we understand you know, it's squirrel like, brain we have it all the time uh, you know, yeah i was brain. so yeah <laughs> i was so uh, 
just just into getting the shot right. Yeah, the right yeah, composition. yeah. I'm like, oh, that tree would look so good over here instead. So I gotta drive way over there. Mm. You know? <laughs> Before you know it, you paint yourself in a corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one one other really good story that I like to tell is that it's in the same area. I was taking my my late. Uh, nephew, he passed away. That's oh. just the beginning. You said late nephew. Oh yeah, I know. I'm I know. Sorry. But I, I got one of my favorite memories of him, is one of the best f- photos. It's not a very good photo, but it's the same idea where mm-hmm. you capture a, the the moment at the right time. Right. So, um, you guys might know about, or some of your listeners might know about the elephant seal uh, viewing area. It's mm. also near San Simeon. Okay. Okay. Um, it it's. There's this area that you just walk along the uh, this this fenced off boardwalk place, and you just look at all the elephant seals. Oh, cool! Um, and that that is cool. Um, but if you just go one parking lot north, I mean, like less than a thousand feet north on Highway One, okay, uh, you can park your car, and there was a trailhead that mm. actually walked uh, or uh, wended along the um, the cliff sides. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you would get. With that view is what you would have gotten at the elephant seal place, but without the fence and the crowds. Oh, so it was, nice. It was fabulous. Much better. Now, even even as recently as maybe 10 years ago, which is roughly when this took place, where I was, uh, I took in my, my nephew for a couple of weeks and I had him live with me okay. during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was still relatively like modern times, they didn't regulate it very well. That trail was just totally open. Right. Uh, there it's was no nice. guardrails. It was very I know, raw. even 10 years ago, there's so many cool things you could have done 10 years ago <laughs> so, that we can't do today. Yeah. So I did something that I, I I wasn't permitted to do as recently as about a year ago. So they, mm. they figured it out that too many people were doing this. But <laughs> oh. you could go off the trail and hike down just a little bit down the cliffside, and you'd be right on the coast. But you'd be surrounded oh. by elephant seals that were just swimming and hanging out. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and, yeah. and I caught my, my nephew... Um, I took him down there because I wanted to show him this kind of stuff. He was, yeah, he was yeah. a lot like me when I was a kid. You know, he he, he was addicted to, to to games and TV. You know, I wanted to show him how cool it was to, to do, do some this real life stuff. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we just walked down this cliff, and we weren't expecting to see anything except just some beautiful surf and some rock, uh, rocky uh, landscaping. But just out of nowhere, a couple of heads pop up out of the water maybe two feet, three feet away from my nephew who's standing there right at the coast. And it's a couple of teenage-ish elephant seals that just nice. were right there. Yeah, very curious. They, mm-hmm. they, weren't, uh, they weren't at all leery of, mm-hmm. of us being there. And I got it on film. Nice. Oh, cool. Got it on camera. How old was your nephew at this time? Uh, he was preteen. I think he was 11-ish. That's cool. right at the age that's to cool. love that kind of thing. Right. Just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. That's awesome. Yeah. So Very that, cool. that's the kind of, yeah, those are the kind of stories or the, nice. the, the experiences that I wish to share, not just with myself, mm-hmm. but with, that, that's why, you know, I post my pictures and I share them with my friends and family. You're like, look how awesome this place is. I wish yeah, you were there. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, maybe I'll take you there sometime. Anytime I had family or friends visit me who had never been to the Central Coast before, we always, at least when we just had a couple of kids. Once we got more than two kids, we're just gonna go anywhere. <laughs> he has seventeen children. But we just still, to let you guys know. We would we go. We would we were like tour guides, you know, for our family. Mm-hmm. We took them on these mm-hmm. uh, trips up the Central Coast and yeah, stop at all awesome the places fun. that were really cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's now really you probably cool. should correct me. How many kids do you have? So I don't think you actually <laughs> have seventeen. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I have four children. Four. They range in age from 
seven down to nine months. Okay. okay that's a handful. Young family. Yes. <laughs> awesome. You know, we've all had photos like that that aren't our best photos, but the whole but trip. The moment. Yeah. The moment. All of that mm-hmm. just means so much to us that mm-hmm. we just cherish it and share it a lot. Yeah. And it probably doesn't come through as someone who's just looking at the picture, but we know when we see that picture, oh, it's just right. one of our favorite moments in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we when you see that. that white fungus with the red stuff coming out of it, you're just like, man, I want to share this moment with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Talking with Jeff and Tim, Tim pointed out that he helped you see some of those. He did. He, he did that colony of uh, mushrooms. That was that was Tim. He's I give like, him full credit for that. Oh, good. Oh, oh good. I did. I, yeah. Tim, come on, man. I'm, you know I've mentioned you already like three times. So there's another fourth mention for Tim. Another fourth mention. Pat yourself on the back, Tim. Thank you very much. Whoever that guy Jeff is. ditched him. Tim came found us. And then Tim found the mushrooms. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we love hearing these photography adventures and oh, stories. Yeah. And so we love having you here, Matt. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. So let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast. And we'll sure. come back and go into the really right stuff, quality debate, and mm. questions, hard-hitting questions from All our right. listeners. Yes, the vibrating springs. I know. <laughs> hey guys what are you doing in march if you're thinking you want to go learn photography with a bunch of awesome photography nerds yeah come with us out to the create photography retreat it is march 28th through 30th and brendan and i are doing a workshop on the last day so friday night Mm. through saturday morning we are gonna lose all of our sleep i was just talking with robert that sounds like so much fun (laughs) it is fun and robert actually mentioned Uh in his email is like i'm not excited about losing sleep but with you guys it sounds like an adventure it'll be worth it it is i mean if you pull an all-nighter and you're with a bunch of people it can be a lot of fun actually and then you know yeah sleep the next day just sleep in it so brendan and i have now until march to figure our favorite spot there's several locations Mm -hmm. we can go to get on that eastern side of the light pollution of las vegas Mm -hmm. and look towards the east some more and have that early season milky way visible for us and so we have multiple locations we can choose from places we want to go that we can't go but who cares but just join us Mm -hmm. go to photogadventures.com forward slash cpr for create photography retreat hey guys welcome to the photography adventures podcast now we're here we're still here joined with matt burke still and, uh, still here oh he, just he, he has away. not left yet thank goodness <laughs> we still have him guys for a limited time um, <laughs> so um matt when i was thinking about stuff like i wanted to ask you about one of the things was you know when you you were first hired on you started working there and then you said recently they asked you to design a tripod. And so this tripod line is basically your baby, right? This is, these are your ideas that you implemented and created. Like, what was that like, you know, when they first asked you to design a tripod and build a tripod for us, what was your, what was coming of your first impressions? And then how did you go about accomplishing this well, awesome I, task? I must've, um, I must've uh, misrelayed that, that story. Cause uh, that wasn't, recent um no no it was when he first was, started it was oh, it was when he first started. Two, 2007 i started at really right stuff okay valentine's day uh, okay. 2007 okay and valentine's uh, day you valentine's started there day. that's cool did you get a I chance remember. to do anything for your wife or you're like <laughs> ah, just, i was i, I, I did not even know who she was yet oh okay. no. he's married all right so you didn't care okay. you didn't know where to go but right? i was asked to um I was asked to design a tripod for really right stuff within a year after within that. Within a year, okay. Our okay. our first uh, TVC thirty three Mark One Rev A was released in two thousand and ten. So I believe it was in the spring of two thousand and ten. So it took just yeah, a couple over of years. two years okay. of development to go from the ground up and create something that was. What was that like? I mean, did you research like competition? Did you do like a bunch of like? 
you know, t- did you tear apart someone. other people's stuff and see how it was made? Like, what did? You, how did you go about that process? We had so much. See, our our, our customers are awesome because they'll tell you everything. They'll right. tell you everything that they want, everything that they like and hate. Okay. Um, they'll they'll even in some cases say, "Hey, take this guy, take this tripod, and just you know, don't don't do what they did." Um, mm. We had a backlog, not a backlog. We had a catalog. Excuse me of. Uh, Old uh, Burlbox. Uh, Burlbox is a is a wood uh, tripod company. They still make oh, tripods. Oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah. Um, there was a um, there was Velbon and Gitzo and mm-hmm. um, at the time I don't think Benro or Sunway Photo were a thing yet. Uh, it was mm-hmm. just a handful of players. Manfrotto was a player. Right. That was I believe just before they were acquired by Gitzo, mm-hmm. before Gitzo was acquired by by Tech Group, et cetera. Okay. So you know this is still this is all still very um, you know esoteric uh, customers that want these high end tripods. Okay. Um, and so yeah, I had lots of research uh, to do with the competition. I had uh, a set of parameters given to me both by our customers and by my boss, who said, "Look, this is this is where we need to improve. Okay. This is where our, our current competition is is lacking." Um, this is a thing that uh, I don't know how much I can say, but we were act at the time um, Gitzo's biggest reseller or one of the biggest resellers in America. Yeah, I was going to say before that you were reselling other other tripods. Yeah, right? and okay. so we we had we had a lot of issues. Uh, with with people who needed uh, customer support with Gitzo, but because we were just a reseller, it was difficult to get them. Mm, we were always having right, to okay. direct them to a, a, a different office to okay. uh, to get it taken care of. We loved the relationship that we had with them, but they still were making the kind of improvements that we wanted to see fast enough. Okay, um, so your customers so, were saying, "Hey, we love the tripods, but we, we wish it would do this, this, and that." And you're just like, "We just resell it." So, and after so many of those, you're just like, "Why don't we just make one?" Well, and get I, what I they don't want. know. I'm not. I'm not sure at what point Joe was like, "Look, we just got to get. It. We just got to do it. We just got to pull the mm-hmm. trigger." Um, but it did have a lot to do with uh, one of the more common complaints with uh, the the systematic tripods of Gitzo at the time, and they've since fixed the issue. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, after we had fixed the issue. Um, <laughs> uh, Nicely done. Where yeah. uh, uh, people with large lenses and, and gimbal-type heads, they would they would attach it to the apex of the tripod and sling the whole thing over their shoulder, and they wouldn't take it all apart if they needed to tr- walk to the right. next uh, composition. Yeah, right. did it fall apart? Because, I mean, that's yeah. the weight. Yeah, so the way that it was, <laughs> the way that it was designed, the, the apex would clamp and would rely on the, the friction of that clamp force and so okay. over time the the cyclical loading on this big heavy lens slung over her shoulder eventually made it want to pop out and there's a handful of occasions where that's a lot of equipment one of one of the things that we got a patent on asap uh was the design of the we, we call it the sure grip i don't think we really market it that much mm-hmm. but it's it's the method by which we attach um, accessories to our Versa tripod. Cool. Um, yeah, solve that issue. Um, so the nice. way like a ball head attaches to the top, the apex of the tripod and legs. That's it, what you're saying? No, it wasn't the, the thread that gave out. It was this this platform that had a 3-8 stud on it that you would thread whatever head you're putting on your tripod. Mm-hmm. It okay. slipped into their apex, and then you clamp it down the oh. apex was split, and so you had to oh. pinch it down onto. Okay, that so it wasn't ladder. a solid piece because we've seen your apexes, and it's one solid yes. piece, mm-hmm. and theirs wasn't. It was two pieces. Yeah, and they still are, uh, but oh. but they do have. They, they've really since come up with a way to have a safety release, so that in case something does slip off, if as long as you have a more up to date 
uh, accessory put into your systematic tripod that okay. won't slip out. But okay. And one of the reasons. Interesting. Um, um, Very and, cool. And um, yeah, we we also noticed just in general there was a lack of manufacturing of this type of product in the United States. Like mm. you based in the U.S., mm-hmm. it's as at the time where manufacturing either France yeah. or Italy, right? Uh, and then and then everybody else was China, somewhere in China yeah. or Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there was nothing in America. Let's do it. Interesting. And and you know we couldn't just make a copycat product. And no. So right. all of our all of our uh, specs that we required, like for example, we needed. You know what a, a three-point bend test is? No idea. Basically, you take any any material in the in the shape of a beam, and you mm-hmm. hold it at either end, and then you push down on it in the middle. Uh huh. Okay. And, and you keep pushing and pushing until and see what the break until the limit is. Yeah. Yeah, three-point bend I love test. Kind of test. <laughs> and, <laughs> Brennan would work in that department. I it, could work it's there. a it's a very rudimentary. Um, uh, materials testing uh, mm-hmm. procedure, but we wanted to um, we wanted to beat even the best competition by oh. about we wanted to double their their failure load. Okay. Now, now this wasn't because we knew what was what our tripods were going to be used for, but we thought, hey, if we're going to beat them, we got to beat them big, <laughs> right? And so go big or go home, man. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> nice. And we did. And that's that's one of the things we achieved. We were, awesome. we, were we had a we had a failure load of. Yeah, it was it was nearly double that of our next best competition nice. for, for the same uh, tube size anyway. Oh nice. man! Yeah. So maybe you've already answered it with the two things you've already talked about. But <laughs> let me ask this question: no? With your redesign and what you guys created, really right stuff. What would you say you're most proud of? That is really right stuff's like success, like this product, this part of the product. You're really proud of that design. Okay. Now, first, let me clarify that that um, 2008. Was the start of the thing. Mm-hmm. 2010 was our, you know, our first, first tripod. Product, where yeah. We were continually making design changes and updates throughout the years, even up until at the very beginning of, of this year, where we released our first official Mark II tripod. Okay. Oh yeah. Where yeah. there was yeah. enough things that had been overhauled over time, mm. and in the last year or so, that we really had to uh, reclassify it. And so, I'm going to say that for the Mark One, the the biggest thing that I'm proud of is the fact that. We went out of our way to find American manufacturers for every single bit of hardware mm. down to the uh, yeah. down to the screw. We had a uh, we had a supplier that's actually here in Utah. He's a neighbor now. Really, nice. uh, for for our carbon, it's no secret. At least if you're in the the carbon fiber or uh, composites mm-hmm. manufacturing, that Utah mm-hmm. is just the mecca. Really, in the, in the states, yeah, Ooh, had and, no idea. Yeah, uh, oh boy, carbon fiber. It's really interesting because when we, here we come. When we started, <laughs> when we started. Um, uh, having to look into doing a lot of our uh, manufacturing in-house, we were consulting with a lot of different companies in Utah. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because no matter who you talked to, no matter what company you went to, they all had the exact same story, almost memorized verbatim of how carbon fiber just took off in the U- in uh, Utah County and huh. in Salt Lake County. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's same, I wasn't even aware of that. I love story. carbon fiber stuff. It's like, how do I not know this? Somehow, <laughs> it, this, is where, this is where it really became wow. super popular. So anyway, um, uh, we yeah we we happened to by by happy accident really find um, our manufacturer right in the epicenter of that. Nice. And um, what what makes a a well engineered product, especially a carbon fiber one or any kind of composites, it, it's a it's an efficiency issue mm. um, because carbon is very expensive. 
efficiency and how much you can make or how much and, and, and how use? little waste you produce mm, in order to get ah, the final product mm-hmm. that that's that's from my you know mm-hmm. eight-ish years experience in, in working with composite uh, okay. materials so when you think you about can, the final product is that a single segment of tubing that you use in your tripod legs mm-hmm. that final product so to create that segment how much waste is left over that efficiency yeah. I, I it's it's like a, a personal thing that i'm proud of because i see a lot of other people who are advertising you know this is all carbon this is whatever their, their marketing terms that they're mm-hmm. using and we know mm-hmm. by virtue of the appearance of their of their final product how much they actually ripped off after they they, they built it up really really far and thick and then they ground it down like crazy Oh, so they, they, you know, they they made it look really good and really cool, but you know the the composites engineers would just you know roll their eyes at just how wasteful that was and how oh. useless <laughs> it was to put all that work into it. There's there's no uh, design of the layup. There's no uh, consideration for you know your your uh, your fiber orientation at different laminar or sorry at uh, at, at different thicknesses. So okay. Huh. There's a lot of secret sauce that goes into making <laughs> just a really good, strong tube. Right, wow. okay. right, um, I bet. And, and uh, yeah, it was And that science deal. has been perfected over the last 10 years. I'm sure they're just getting better and better. With, you know, what's it. interesting is that uh, at least f- until we came to the game, nobody was trying to do it the way we were doing it. Everybody had mm. already gone straight. Well, at least our, our competitors had already gone to China and or okay. had found uh, processes that yielded inexpensive and decent carbon yeah very very good stuff um, like good enough right well it's it's great yeah. it's great for what it is but it wasn't good enough for what we would eventually have to put our tripods through and okay and, and i see it was it was again it was like a lucky slash proud thing where oh we just happened to create this thing that we demanded to be very strong and then it turns out that people were winding up using our tripods for all sorts of stuff that we never would have imagined. <laughs> nice. Things where they're in some cases their life literally depends on it or their livelihoods literally mm. depend on it. Landing and, gear for helicopters, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, tripod legs. <laughs> so space shuttle. <laughs> um, like, uh, um, again, it, the, our, our soar, customers sport optics and referee customers oh, okay yeah the giant um, guns our 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 big fans are the people that shoot a long-range competition i'm, I'm not mm-hmm. the right guy to, to talk about this because i'm not like too familiar with it right but it's just really this is a really cool story it's cool stuff uh this is, some of the things that they do in their competitions include going to these random uh seemingly uh everyday um environments and having to position themselves using their surroundings and get a good shot some distance off in in, in some direction. Okay. Now the the trick that they do is that they use, like to use barricades. So they'll take their 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 whole mm. um, their whole setup and they'll shove it up against a tree or they'll shove it up against a fence or a windowsill and and they'll have to really steady their their gear. But oh, with a really okay. rough stuff tripod, what they can do now is create their own fence. Basically, oh, so there was a guy really? that was they had he had to shoot from inside an abandoned bus from one of the seats. What was, contest is this? This, awesome. is, this is how they work, I guess. That's awesome. They put, you have to go to that <laughs> extreme guy. situations. Yeah, and Imagine so and so what he was sniper. doing was genius. He took a really right stuff tripod, ex- extended one of the legs, um, 
both the pivoting and telescoping, and he braced it between two of the seats inside mm. of the bus. Yeah. And he, so he was able to shove his whole butt, and the guy weighed like over 250 pounds, plus his his uh, his rifle. Right. But um, our, our tripods were able to be used essentially as a Whoa. mobile barricade stop. Nice. <laughs> um, and... And yeah, so that cool thing about about our stuff is that it yeah, it is over engineered or there's there is there's a question a specifically about that. That's spoiler. a hint. <laughs> that's coming with our clickbait question. But I also have two other questions go that I want to answer. I'll okay. ask all those things. Should I go for them now? Let's go for them now. Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. First question. You mentioned the Mark II, Mark One to Mark II tripod. What's the big difference? Why should someone upgrade to a Mark II? What is it? Mm. Now, um, the when you when you're talking about something like a monotube twist lock carbon fiber tripod you you have a very limited scope of what you can innovate okay right. and we want yeah. about we adding wanted, just junk to it right um and so um I, I i would encourage you if you're very bored or want to get into like a, a, a one of those more technical wikipedia pages i guess is to look up morse tapers Morse mm. tapers. M-O- How do you spell M O R S E? Morse tapers. Oh, okay. Now S-E. it doesn't necessarily give you a, a hint as to what we um, what we did with the Mark II, but it, it clues you in on how much science is involved in just the angle of something that tapers. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and and how that uh, devoting your engineering to just that one aspect of one part can influence a number of outcomes mm, uh, really that, that change things so in the mark ii we were like okay we really can't <laughs> we can't innovate a heck of a lot but we're gonna try and this is how we're gonna do it we're gonna make it uh, uh, one of the biggest demands we're gonna were, fix we that need, taper people we need <laughs> all those taper problems well, that really talking was, about. Was, um, <laughs> people were people were uh, wanting faster setups they wanted to use less effort right um, one of the the more common complaints about our gear is that our, there was too much grip in the in the twist locks. So you really oh. had to, like, I haven't used an art really rise of tripod enough, and so I don't know, is it just pulling the legs out? You're talking about the grip there? Uh, yeah, so the twist locks have a, uh, a rubbery type. or It, was, it would be harder to release them all the way, basically. Is that what you're saying? Like, they were, I wouldn't say away. that they were all that hard to release to begin with, but mm-hmm. one of the, again, yeah, I mean, you heard that. Like, if you can fix again. something, okay. this is where you want to improve things. Right. Um, okay. We want to, we want to get faster deployment, okay. faster collapse, less effort. Our, you know, 90%, well, I made that number up. A lot of our customers <laughs> are, uh, way to be honest. <laughs> most of our customers, I would say, are, you know, older retirees. Mm-hmm. And so we have a granny test that we um, make sure that all of our new products have to pass if indeed nice. it's meant for that customer. Okay. Um, and the tripods were, in my opinion, uh, lacking in that. And so the Mark II has improved okay. on that. And so we're like, cool. Yeah, that that's that's where uh, that's what changed with the with the Mark IIs, and that's how we innovated for that iteration was to just focus on the the few things I feel like that were still remaining to be addressed with not just our tripods but with every other monopod or not sorry monopod but monotube type okay. carbon fiber tripod on the market well one of the things that drew was geeking out about was the filters you put on the top to allow um faster deployment so it doesn't suck the air yeah. internally so it actually has a filter so stuff doesn't go in 
when the air is getting pulled into the <laughs> tube and that you've actually engineered some stuff to keep the sand out. Like, well, yeah. So tell the, some more the about fil- that. The filters <laughs> per se are, are not at the top. The filters are, they're not filters. We call okay. them wiper shields. They're not quite, right, the wiper sh- yeah. they're not okay. quite wiper seals, but we found, um, we found that you can, um, well, let me put it this way. You, you take a current generation, um, call it lock type tripod into the ocean and see how many Done times it. you can get the, the locks uh, to actually function before they're totally caked. Three Mine times. Caked, <laughs> I just cleaned my tripod today. <laughs> right. I just cleaned my, my, there's a Manfrotto tripod. It's older style aluminum tubes. Uh-huh. It was a pain in the butt to clean because <laughs> it was a pain in the butt to open my legs because they literally locked up because there's just too, a little bit too much gritty sand. Gritty sand. Right, right. So, yes. They would not open. You can imagine, you know, we're based out of a coastal area. You'd mm-hmm. think that we would... Well, we did have a lot of, of customers that were shooting in the ocean. Right. They, were, they were sending us back their tripods that were, you know, caked in, in salt deposits and stuff because you know they kept putting them in water. Right. Mm-hmm. And they we we made it f- uh, field strippable. You know, you could take the whole thing apart with just a, a couple of the wrenches, but ninety percent of it you could take it apart with your hands. Awesome. And, and field uh, field clean. Okay. However, um, there's some situations where people are just out in the field for. And, and they're in the middle of nowhere. If they have a serious foul up, you know, they're not going to want to have to go back to wherever the base camp is. Right. You know, the function. So these right. little wiper shields, they you take our new tripods, the Mark twos and, and run that same, that same scenario over where you're going into silty or sandy water and see how many times you can actually make it function. We couldn't get it to fail. That's awesome. We couldn't get it. I love hearing that. uh, We couldn't get, um, you know, with, so we stuck our, they were falling over and tumbling in, in the, in the, in the ocean waves. And we would take them out, um, just, uh, just take them right out of the water and, and, and uh, unlock the the twist lock, Mm -hmm. move the legs a little bit, relock them, you know, to make sure that all the Like you would do, make adjustments and all that stuff. Yeah. And we took it, took it over to our scale and yeah, it it would still hold. That's um, awesome. So yeah, it's huge improvement, and and um, I believe Getso addressed this a few years ago with their ocean traveler tripod, but they haven't integrated whatever they put there um, onto the rest of the tripod lineup. Mm. And I suspect it's because of the fact that they ran into the same problems that we did, but they just they still deployed it and then realized that it was a pain in the rear. Uh, you can't get good proper wiper seals to work on. Um, uh, we couldn't get it to work very well on the ground surface that were that, that our tubes were, oh. um, and they probably couldn't either. <laughs> and so we're like, well, we're not going to make this anymore. They discontinued the ocean uh, okay. series. So what do you do? You have a, do you have a different surfacing for your tubes then? Because no, we just didn't demand that it be a perfect seal because it didn't oh, need to be. Okay. As the the way that the the shield works is that it acts as like a. The way laminar flow works, I don't want to get too technical. The way the laminar flow works is like, you know, if, if you have a, a small enough area, uh, the surface tension of water as it's passing mm-hmm. along that small area will sooner want to divert out of the wave rather than pass through it. Okay. Basically. So as long as it's enough to block that, then you're... Most of the time, yeah. yeah. So you would, in order to get it to foul up, you would have to have it stuck in water for a very long time. But those vents that you were talking about, um, you know, one of the downfalls to trying to seal off the tube, it's, it's a, it's essentially a vacuum chamber. Right. Right. Every time you pull in the legs part, it's gonna where tr- is the air going to come from? Right. When you're trying to expand the volume inside right. that chamber. Well, we, yeah, we devised a way to, to have the air come from near the, t- the top of the leg assembly. 
and that put um near zero back pressure that's awesome it had this funny little <laughs> side effect where it made easy it made it easier to open and shut nice oh, yeah nice little, little innovations mm-hmm. but yeah. major when it comes to people who are trying to oh gosh during that magic hour right between whatever <laughs> right mm-hmm. after sunset right. like, oh i gotta get this set up and they yeah. don't want to have to think about whether or not their tripod's gonna work in that moment yeah and so what's yeah. great about a company like this is you're small enough to know that these are these improvements are directly correlated to the people who are using them out in the field mm-hmm. and actually have problems and say, I need this fixed. Yep. And you guys can turn around and make it product, fix it, yeah. make it better. That's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> Love that. Well, let's go into Kirk's questions so we don't take up anything okay. else. Do you have any questions to um, add? No. Um, okay, awesome. so from Kirk. He's questioning this, and we may have just answered a way to answer this question throughout all of this encompassing discussion. Maybe. But are really right stuff tripods over-engineered? Because to him, it seems like they're too much for what most people need in a tripod. Well, I would uh, say that he is totally right. Most people uh, don't. Need in, in... Boom, you got him, Kirk. He backed into a corner and he gave up. He conceded. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's right on both points. First off, yeah, really right stuff. Tripods are over-engineered uh, for most photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as evidenced by our, our uh, market share, we have a you know a modest uh, a share of the tripod market, but our, our followers are intense. They're diehards, <laughs> our, man. Our customers yeah. are, are very... Um, very well versed and 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 dedicated. So, but it, to address the over engineering issue, this is something I alluded to earlier. Is that yeah. Any anything that your life depends on um, is by design over engineered. Whether it's a space shuttle or a bridge or a tripod or a seatbelt or yeah <laughs> or a seatbelt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's this thing and this is you know engineering 101 is called a factor of safety. Uh, where the materials that you use, your or the materials that you use in the product that you've designed, they all have a known uh, stress failure. Right. And you have to make sure that whatever loads or external forces that that product is exposed to is never more than a certain amount above or below that known stress. And so mm. we obviously want to design for it to be below that stress level. Mm-hmm. In fact, we wanted to design it two, three times below that stress level. 6061 T6 Illumina has a yield stress of 30,000 PSI. Whew. Okay. And it's pretty high. So, yeah. <laughs> most of our stuff, even our L plates and, and, and base plates, they're way over engineered because mm. you're oh, never yeah. going to expose those things to more than whatever forces induced by a camera with a large lens falling three feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a lot of load. Right. Okay. What? <laughs> nice. So what? Make but, sure it's awesome. But and sweet. Um, the, the, the other scenario is like I said earlier, you know, you've got people whose livelihoods depend on these things being dependable. And, right. and so over engineering ensures that um, it, it accounts for situations that you or the user would not have thought you needed it for. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, we've got it set up to where, and I think there's a shot out there in the wild somewhere where somebody had taken one of our tripods and did rock climbing with it. They didn't use it to, to hoist themselves, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's, no. that's not what it's designed for. But they were able to rig it using the uh, the strap hook that's built into the Apex uh, platform and tie it to one of the um, the what are those called? Those things that you, the cam locks. Yeah. Oh There's yeah. A cam lock in the rock. Mm-hmm. 
tied to the tripod, and then their camera was pointed down the side of the cliff. Gosh, that's nice. so you're talking, right there. You're talking, you know, thousands of dollars <laughs> worth of gear. Right. Uh, you don't. You're not going to chase that thing down if it, if it fails. <laughs> no, it's not. Nope. It needs to work, and and our stuff is. Engineered oh, so awesome. in case they used it in that crazy situation, it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna function. Be there. Yeah, it's gonna work yeah. for it. So two thousand dollar price tag for you know a high-ish end you know model of the tripod. Um, you know, are you really just buying a name? No, you're actually buying quality materials, mm-hmm. quality of the design because people don't really think about that. They really think about more like oh, this is just metal and carbon fiber. It only yeah. costs two hundred bucks. Yeah, it may, yeah, maybe the raw materials do, but Get the metal to look you need like the that. you need the 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 quality, the time and quality that goes into mm-hmm. engineering and designing that stuff is just it's you can't really put a price tag on that a lot of times because it's just so so good. If it's so well thought out and so well engineered, it's worth it. Well, you know, you say that, but I can tell you that we we have put a price tag on it and it is <laughs> it is definitely justified. Mm. Uh, uh we um we're we are a manufacturing operation. We're competing worldwide. Yeah, and so, yeah, we we can't we can't get away with something too outrageous. Sure. So believe it or not, even though as expensive as this is, <laughs> it it's a it, it's a it's at least for um, for all the MBAs out there, it's it's it, there's a modest margin involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still pretty expensive for most people. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned it earlier. You get what you pay for, basically. You're, you're you get not, what you pay for. You're not just paying for the, the everything that was involved in the design, the manufacturing, and the, the, the added value there. Yeah. You're paying for a, a tremendous support structure. Ah, yes. Our, <laughs> After our, the purchase, uh, you still have support. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. we have the, the warranty issue, but we have stories story after story of customers that call up from random places all over the world. Like, okay, I got this thing. Can you cross ship me a new replacement? I absolutely have to be there on this cruise and I'm going to be <laughs> gone for two weeks. So if I don't right. get it now that I'm, I, I don't, I won't be able to get a single shot for the entire trip. Can you please send me something? You know, and, and we, <laughs> nice. can, we can handle that. And, nice. we, and when you're a really right stuff customer, you get that kind of service. Fantastic. I think one of the best examples of where their price is way higher than you expect, but then you hear about how they made it, and you go, oh, okay, I can see how that could cost mm-hmm. that much, is in their L bracket, because that was one of the first things, honest, focus disclosure, I teased really right stuff, mm-hmm. L brackets, for being just like insane compared to mine, yeah. it'll knock off Sunway Photo. Sure. But then at your factory, I saw your L brackets that you guys mm-hmm. had just carved, you know, really meticulously and carefully out of your material. And then you guys went through that process, the tumbling process that smooths out the L bracket. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, not only the engineering decisions, that how it handles with the windows and how it fits your camera body. And material choice. Material See, The aluminum choices. is not all the same either. Yeah. They're higher quality in places you guys just don't know mm-hmm. and don't notice. You pick it up, it's, like it's a hunk of metal. Why does it cost so much? And then you see how and what they did to get it there. And it's just... Mm. Yeah, it deserves the price tag it has, and it's going to be a better quality L bracket for you mm-hmm. and last you longer. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, the love of Really Right Stuff. We've had two episodes now that we've talked about <laughs> our love of Really Right Stuff, and Brendan and I don't even own a single piece of equipment from Really Right Stuff. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Is now, this the proposal question? No. So yes. what? <laughs> this is where you give us that discount that you talked about. Really better our eyes and <laughs> would it be something possible in your company to give a uh, purchase discount for listeners of the podcast that we could get something out there that mm. they order something? 
something discount with this code, code Photog Adventures mm-hmm. that maybe they can get 10% off or something I'll like that. I'll have to talk to Joe Jr. about that, right? That, yes. Okay. That's something for the you to Mr. Jr. Well, and if we do get yes. that code, guys, we will put it on the podcast notes for oh, sure. Oh, and you guys, I know you're buying stuff right now for Christmas. Sorry we couldn't get you a, yeah. like a half-off deal, but we're, <laughs> we're not even getting a half-off deal. Someday, someday, I will own a really right stuff tripod. Mm-hmm. As I look at my tripod behind Matt and see how hard it is to pull out the legs and how eventually those locks are going to fail on me in that Faisal as I have taken it to Oregon four times in the mm. ocean several times and I haven't cleaned it once. Mm. So that day will come. Mm-hmm. The reckoning will come that I should have cleaned it many times by now. <laughs> I will say though, uh, remember when I was talking earlier about our ocean capabilities mm-hmm. development? Yeah. There are some tribes that are very old. They use a, an older technology and this is where we got the idea for oh. uh, So if you use a collet type lock without anything else, you, you'll it'll foul up fast. I don't know if your Faisal has these things that are basically like a set of rings stacked it on top of each other. It does have a set of rings. Mm-hmm. Those last in the ocean just fine. That's why it's been okay. Oh. Yeah. Because it does. I, when I pull off the leg, because it just I pull off too hard and it comes right off, those mm-hmm. rings go everywhere. I'm like, oh, crap, pick them up. They function basically like seals. Oh. oh. So, Elephant seals? Not like dolphins at all. <laughs> not like seals. Okay. But <laughs> it, it was, so yeah, the Mark II is a, is a hybrid of everything that's, that's great oh, about okay. even really old uh, lock technology. We were finding that in, in our in our tests. It's like, hey, these these twenty year old technologies are actually beating, at least in terms of being able to hold up against yeah. the elements. Yes. That said, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but your your load carrying would will go down significantly. But either way, it is oh. slipping on me. It will slip, but it won't it won't be obnoxiously bad. No, exactly. Okay, no. Interesting. Usable. Okay. Just so you know, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Work, work, work better than it's than engineering. Collins. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so yeah. much for joining us on the podcast. We like to have our guests get a chance to say where people can find them. But in your case, I suppose you're representing a company. Where yeah. do people go to buy Really Right Stuff gear? Because you can't go to Amazon. No. You have to go to reallyrightstuff.com. And up until just last year, um, BNH or bhphotovideo.com and mm-hmm. or... Um, I don't know if we're on even Adorama yet. I was wondering if you're on Adorama. Mm. No, we're just on we're just on B and H reliably. I can say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm I'm the engineer mm-hmm. dude. I don't know where they're expanding our <laughs> our sales, but uh, go to reallyrightstuff.com. That is the place that you are most likely to get everything that we sell. Nice and um, the info and yeah. the info that you need. Yeah. Uh, pardon pardon the relative. Uh, uh, construction state of both our website and our building. We are still adjusting to a new location. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, give us a call. We will be happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, I was going to say this earlier. What, one thing that makes us unique as well um, is that many of us wear multiple hats within the company. Mm-hmm. I'm always bu- required by my very job description to to talk to customers should they come up with a technical question that the the customer service representatives can't answer and i just just this last week okay they can get you directly and talk to you they can talk to me yeah uh it it happens uh, less often than it used to Hmm, Uh, but yeah totally that comes with better engineering my friends (laughs) you build a better product you get pestered less No, but we like it. We like it. I, I enjoy talking to our customers. Uh, they're they're very passionate. 
sometimes cranky, but still, <laughs> it's good. They usually don't call up unless they're probably cranky. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah it's, it could go one one of both <laughs> ways. Yeah, but yeah, we're, praise uh, or crank, 50-50. No, yeah, but we're, we're more than happy to address any concerns that they have. So if nice. any of your listeners are listening, they just want to call up and even just chat with one of our CSRs for half an hour and not buy a single thing. We do it all the time. Cool. <laughs> Sounds well, good. By this time next year, I will be a Really Right Stuff owner, more so than just the hat and the yeah. Really Right Stuff patch that I have next year. And I've worn that shirt a couple times there. to get an extra shirt. That was awesome. <laughs> I've worn that. So, Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, as always. If you enjoy this content and you love Photog Adventures, don't love us and don't thank us. No, love us. Oh, wait. You should love us? Yes. Not love our patrons? And lo- love everywhere. Love everyone. Everyone should love. Everyone should just love. But you know, should thank them. Thank, thank our them, patrons. Yes. They're yes. the ones who are actually supporting us with their real, actual money and helping guys. us exist. And we really, really appreciate you guys. Yep. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. God bless. God bless. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have a good week. See you guys. See you guys. Merry Christmas. Christmas.